The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to Mind Body Pause with Charlie Kale. Holistic living for you and your animals. You found your happy place to nurture your connection to animals with enlightening information from the innovators who make their world a better place. This is Mind Body Pause on Empower Radio. Now, here's your host, fellow animal lover, Charlie Kale. Hello and welcome to Mind Body Pause, holistic living for you and your animals. This is show number 43, Disease Detecting Dogs and Autism Companions with Maria Gadavage. I'm Charlie Kayla, passionate dog and cat mom, broadcaster and Reiki master practitioner in San Francisco at Energy Healing for People and Paws. I do distant healings and in-person sessions, people and animals because energy transcends space and time. And you can find out more on my website, charliekale.com, C-H-A-R-L-Y-K-A-Y-L-E.com. This is your safe place to honor animals, where we'll nurture our connection to them mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, and once again, medically, because we're going to take another dive into all the amazing ways that highly trained dogs are detecting physical and emotional disorders and healing us too. My guest, Maria Gadot, stayed on for a second show. She has just released a brand new book called Dr. Dogs, How Our Best Friends Are Becoming Our Best Medicine. And she's considered one of the foremost author experts on working dogs. She's a former journalist for USA Today. She's written three critically acclaimed New York Times bestsellers, Soldier Dogs, Top Dog, and Secret Service Dogs. And you've seen her on the Today Show, on the Daily Show with Jon Stewart. And she lives in San Francisco with her yellow lab, Gus. And her husband, Craig. Welcome, Maria Godavid. <laughs> I laugh Thank about so that much, because <laughs> he's not even in your bio, just your, your lab Gus. So it, that's fine. <laughs> he's the one who's important in the book. So they said, yeah, just do Gus. That's fine. That's uh, fine. Yeah, with my apologies to Craig. <laughs> <laughs> he can understand it. But we've been yeah, talking yeah. about your book that was just relief, release, re- released, Dr. Dogs. And I'm a huge fan. It's an amazing book. It is so interesting. And I had said before, I told you I was a little intimidated by the subject matter because I knew there was going to be a lot of research and studies and scientific things I felt like I couldn't understand. But you have so many stories that take place all over the world because you traveled all over the world interviewing the people and their dogs. And so it's really a fun fascinating read and you write with such witticism and wonderful detail that uh, I love your writing. 
thank you so much. I tried to make it entertaining as well as um, this, I, I tried to make the science easy. Um, you did. I did the heavy lifting, and I had to understand it really, really well, and then I tried to present it so that it's, it's an easy read. And the stories are really what binds binds the book. It so. is. And Dr. Dogs is divided into three sections. So in the first section, you've got um, highly trained dogs who detect diabetic highs and lows, uh, alert about seizures, cancer, Parkinson's. Then in section two, dogs tackling a new field of things such as sleep disorders, protecting us from antibiotic resistant bugs and epidemic catastrophes. And then in the third section, dogs who help with autism, mental health issues such as anxiety, depression, schizophrenia, PTSD, and then it even includes disaster relief dogs. So we left off where you were excitedly talking about um, the cancer detection dogs and dogs uh, who aren't going to be in laboratories anymore. Right. And, and, and when we say laboratories, um, we're not talking laboratories here. Like, okay, you know, you the, think of the beagles in the cages. This is not yes. at all the case. Okay, the, dogs, the dogs who are working to, um, to sniff out cancer in what we call laboratories, but really research settings, um, are pet dogs. Usually, uh, they're pretty much pet dogs or foster dogs who will be pet dogs who will probably stay with the person they're with, um, who go home every day and they, they hang out at home all, you know, they have regular lives and they go to work every day or every other day or whatever um, in these places around the world. And it's all fun to them. They are treated like royalty and they they learn to sniff out the smell of cancer. We don't know what that is yet, but dogs, if with enough training, can can smell it out. So what they get is uh, their paycheck, and they get their paycheck all the time is um, huge praise and a lot of love and and uh, usually a toy treat because uh, sometimes sometimes a little treat treat to eat, but it's usually a toy um, and they're play they get to play and, and they're told they just love they eat up their their paycheck and so um, that's what they're doing and um, please no one think of laboratory settings with these horrible things. These are pet dogs who love what they do and they just go in and they hang out and they do this and they go home and they look forward to it so much. These dogs are so excited to be doing this and they, they don't know. I mean, I don't know if they know, but they don't seem to know what this stuff is that they're detecting. They just know, Hey, if I smell this and sit and stare at it or stand and stare at it, um, I'll get a treat. So that's what they, they'll get a reward. So that's, that's what they do. In the beginning, they, they do usually train them with some kind of little treats and they, maybe reduce their kibble a little bit that day. But they're, um, they're incredibly good at sniffing out the scent of cancer, whether there is a signature um, smell for all cancers or what, whether each cancer has its own fingerprint. People don't know yet, but they, the dogs have been able to detect um, cancer in uh, breast cancer, ovarian cancer, lung, bladder liver, prostate, thyroid, um, I think a couple of others um, in these research settings and, and on not on the actual tissue itself, but in samples of blood or even, um, well, breasts, saliva, sweat, and uh, dog's favorite, urine and poop, uh, depending on, <laughs> on the one. So, you know, like the dogs, you know, the dogs probably would all sign up for the urine and poop detecting cancer uh, <laughs> jobs, but, <laughs> but they do. I mean, the fact that they can smell it on exhaled breaths on these little balloons that have exhaled breaths is just, or masks even that have exhaled breaths is just, it just blows me away. And, um, what, 
this is just one step. And so I, I love that this is a time when dogs are teaching us something and we're listening. We're listening. In 1989, last segment, I talked about how the first dog was written about in a scientific journal. It was a pet dog who detected cancer on, on her person. Um, but now we're, we're you know, and the scientist who wrote about this, the doctor said, you know, we should maybe be looking at these. And, and he told me later, listening to these dogs, and we're doing that. And the dogs are leading scientists, in, and, and the scientists are working with the dogs to figure out what it is, what smell, what is this um, volatile organic compound, what is the scent that they are detecting, or the mix of scents that they are detecting that is cancer. And once they can figure that out with things like GCMS and other technologies, were um, the chemical analyses, um, they will be able to devise devices that uh, we might be able to blow into, for instance, that will tell us if, if there's something that we need to look further into. So the dogs are a step in this direction. They're not, as I said in the last segment, they're not going to be, you know, in their hospital laboratory going around the cancer wheel sitting for each one because they're not, that's not what dogs should be doing and that is not reliable either. Dogs are dogs, or I like to say dogs are only human. Um, but they, <laughs> right. They, they get distracted. They make mistakes. Um, they're really accurate when trained well and, um, and, you, and the best um, the best practices are used when the person isn't in the same room or staring at the the, the wheel where this stuff is. Um, but the fact that they can do this is just is that they may be a step in the right direction of early cancer detection. I have skin in this game myself. We have a family history of ovarian cancer, and my mom died of it. And I have uh, I recently found out about some other relatives in Italy who died of it, and so. Um, I don't have the genetic markers for it, but um, the doctors still think there's a hereditary risk. And I, there's no early, there's no good early detection for this. There's no gold standard for ovarian cancer. It's usually detected too late to really do anything about it. Not always, but usually. And um, that is one of the things that dogs are detecting now at uh, University of Pennsylvania. They are really, really good at detecting ovarian cancer signs in plasma of blood because they take it down to the, the most basic level to get rid of any other sense that they might be getting. And in tiny ratios now they're they're detecting like a drop of plasma with a drop of saline or something so that they're seeing the lowest the dog can go and they're detecting cancer really early so um, the scientists will one day hopefully not in the distant future but maybe in the nearest future learn from the dogs what that scent is what those chemicals are that they're smelling and devise these um, devices for for us and we will all benefit and they hope that there'll be rapid rapid tests readily available and inexpensive so thank you dogs that's amazing believe in them and extremely encouraging that they're being treated humanely and with love i appreciate that very much Yes. Yes. When we say and laboratories, that is just the bad word. Thank goodness. Really, well, that's yes. a bad association. But it's not it really like that is. at all. It's like fun centers. Let's take the dog to the fun center where they'll sniff around this wheel is basically Good. everything I've seen. Yeah. And I have to laugh when you're talking about distractions such as poop because um, – we won't go into the study, but there was one where there were several different dogs and the study happened to be taking place in a prison where they were having a sewage issue that day. And yeah. so like one of the dogs was so distracted by the sewage smells, she wasn't detecting the, what they wanted her to. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, you know, like I love you said. getting that, that little nugget by, uh, by reading the footnotes of science. You find these things out because I thought, God, these other dogs did well. What was wrong with this dog? And then you find out, yeah, it, it was the sewage. It was. 
probably the sewage because she's normally really good. So, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and, and so we there were 60 that. things she was probably detecting. She's going, oh, I smell diabetes. I smell cancer. I smell this. I, yeah. sm- I smell that. <laughs> well, yeah, the dogs are very specialized. So, as I remember, she was the one in the um, in the diabetes study. Right. And, um, so, they are, the diabetes dogs are just diabetes. The cancer dogs generally just have one kind of cancer they'll smell out. But, you know, there, there are some dogs who have been trained on two or three. They just want to make sure that they the dog knows which one that they're yes i mean she was she was trained to respond to the diabetes but i'm betting in that sewage she was smelling the whole litany of medical (laughs) going on yeah yeah yeah. so it was yeah yeah. (laughs) dogs really are great and i just love the fact that the other dogs though kept working they're like oh i smell poop but (laughs) but i'm gonna keep working here and she was like Oh, I, I, I smell poop. So um, that, that was her. She's an artist. Um, but yeah, yeah dogs, the dogs, have the, they bring their personalities in, into this, this field as well. And um, I know you wanted to talk about um, the, the, uh, the sort of the middle part of the book as well, the, the last part of the book, which talks about um, dogs who help with mental health. And I think it's fascinating that they have been shown to be able to detect, to sniff out emotions. I know, you know, we were talking yes, about, we were talking I was- about Yes, that emotions have a smell. I found that fascinating that scientists are thinking now that emotions have a smell because I look at it as them connecting with the energy of the emotion. But beyond that, that the emotion also emits a smell. Yeah, yeah, and it's probably both. I don't don't really know much about the energy part, but the fact that this – that researchers are starting to realize that um, they've they've known for a while that fear – has a smell like the body produces right. a smell with fear, but um, but there's a researcher in well saliva and sweat samples from um, people are sort of being looked at at a few places in the world, especially Italy for some reason. Emotions, Italy. I'm Italian, so I can say that. Um, but they are really fascinated with what dogs can smell, and um, they in Indiana there's a woman a researcher who has a freezer and fridge stocked with emotions so you open you open the door and oh my. there's anger there's um there's there's anxiety there are a number of emotions panic fear all related probably that are um, taken from people mostly people with PTSD who are experiencing these emotions at the time and she's training dogs she and um the others who work with her are training these dogs to um to respond to these um, these emotions or these these symptoms of PTSD with um, for people with with PTSD mostly veterans um, but not all of them and so um, it's it's probably not necessary for the dog to smell this uh, to be trained to smell it but it, it just adds another layer so that they are trained in general with a general sense of these from other people sense S C E N T S from other people and then um, when they get matched with their specific person they're trained with that person's sense so that they can tell them ahead of time sometimes like when they start feeling smelling the smell before the person even realizes that they might be going down a bad path they can stop and put their head on the person's lap or lean into them be that heavy weight be that presence they need to get through what might be about to happen and i, I just love that 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 we're, we're we're in tune with dogs like this that what they can can pick up on and that science is picking up on this and and helping people this way um there's also a 
there's a one dog I wrote about who was matched with. Well, actually, it was a pet dog of someone who a young woman who had schizo, who has schizophrenia, and. I don't know if you got to that part yet, but um, the dog was able to help her uh, by preventing her from cutting herself and um, some other some other things she was doing. Not really, the, he wasn't trained on scent, but he was trained on the body language, and I think he'd be able. He started being able to pick up on either the scent or um, I'm, I'm not really sure what else from this young woman, but just also by being a dog. I, I, you know, the book is very heavily reliant on cutting-edge science, but also looks at dogs as dogs. By being there for her as her dog, he was able to um, not let her go so deeply into um, the hallucinations that she might normally get, um, get so fearful from. She had hallucinations from a very young age of very evil people and visual and auditory hallucinations. And this is a dog who is a really friendly dog, big Labrador retriever, who wants to greet everybody, who will probably greet somebody trying to break into their house with a big wag of his tail. The fact that she started realizing that um, if the dog isn't greeting these people that she is hearing and seeing, that these people aren't real. So oh. he can help her just by virtue of being a dog to differentiate between reality and these horrible, scary hallucinations, which is so beautiful. Yeah, it's not cutting-edge science, but it, it's something that shows us what dogs can do for us in ways that we haven't really thought of before. Oh, but it is because it's it's so much better than prescription drugs. Right. I mean, she's on those too. I'm but, sure, but, that but it hurts so much. And then there's just that this dog. I I just love that she discovered this because her parents could tell her, "No, honey, there's nobody here." She didn't hear that. Um, she they were you know they could be just swept into this hallucination, but the dog never was. The dog was always separate, and and not seeing them. And so she she would realize this, and then he'd come over and 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 lie next to her and and help her calm. That's so, so yeah, fantastic. I love that story. Yeah. And dogs are such a companion for children and adults with autism. Yeah, they're being, um, they're getting these jobs more and more for, um, to being autism companions in much the same way that we've discussed PTSD. Um, the dogs seem to know when the child is going to have a problem, meltdown, um, have, feel too overstimulated, and the dog will go up to the child as if to say, you know, come over here, let's let's hang out, let's let's play, let's just relax a little bit, and the dog, the child will start petting the dog and and calm down, and the dogs seem to again the. No one has really done scent training work with the dogs. The dogs can probably sense that something is going to hit the fan and seem to be able to um, stop things in their tracks um, out in, in public. So many people have issues with overstimulation, with noise, if they're shopping or something. And with autism, it, it's just too much. And just having the dog beside them can can help them. But the dogs who are trained for this will, will sometimes just stop in their tracks and um, lean into the child or, or let the child pet them. Or the, if the parent is with them, they'll have the child sit. And the dog, if the child is already feeling overstimulated, will just will just be a presence and physical presence and that, you know, like weighted blankets can help with anxiety. Um, the dog can, can weight the child down with its, with its head on the lap or sometimes just completely lean into the child. I have pictures of a 
child in the book who the dog just lies down and the child just hugs up against him. And like there's, they're almost like they're zippered together. It's just so beautiful. And they may be in the middle of the aisle at Walmart um, and this is happening, but the child isn't feeling the huge anxiety and then can get up and keep shopping. Um, and the dogs, um, the dogs they choose for this are, are very resilient dogs because, you know, it's not an easy job. And um, and they, they also make sure that dogs, you know, are, are protected if the child lashes out. This is, this is, the parents are directly involved and the dogs are protected from from the child's, you know, if, if the child lashes out. The parents still might get the brunt of it. But when the dog walks in, I have a story of this this child in the United States who was just, he couldn't go out anywhere. And once this dog walked into his life, Lloyd, um, it changed not only his life, but his whole family's life. Because the dog, with this dog, he was able to get his hair cut, go to the dentist, go to school, go to, go, go to restaurants. They, they only, they had a big binder in their home of takeout restaurants because they couldn't walk into a restaurant with this boy. And the dog completely changed that. So I, I just love how heartening these stories are. And I know you also wanted to talk about dogs saving the world in other ways um, with these, <laughs> uh, these these diseases that these um, bacteria that are like the superbugs. It sounds like it's they sound like oh yay superbugs to the rescue, but not you yeah, know that's yeah. more like the evil villains superbugs. Right. <laughs> no, but they they like sniffing it out. They're um, they're it's just so it just um it just really gets to me how, how these dogs are helping us in so many ways. So on a super personalized level, like that boy with Lloyd and his autism. Um, and then, and there, and there's this, this element where, again, in the research centers, the fun research centers where, um, dogs are being trained on things like malaria. They can sniff out malaria on, they're sniffing at the socks of children oh, wow. in Gambia. And they are able to detect which children have been affected by malaria and which haven't. And that one day can be used, um, they're hoping for, maybe at some point there will be um, dogs at airports to detect, like sort of do a, a quick screening of people coming through um, from from into areas oh, that um, yes. have no more or have very low incidence of malaria. And the dogs will be able to help screen this out. And then if they do detect someone, the person can go for a quick screening for further, you know, because you don't want to bring malaria into these areas that have been cleared. So, um, and then eventually, again, all this will eventually one day result in a device that can do this. Um, but in the meantime, the dogs are there um, in in a Washington state uh, um, island. Uh, which one? Is, sorry, it's Friday Harbor. Um, uh, gosh, well, it's a beautiful island. And they are detecting Parkinson's disease on T-shirts. So, and the goal is early Parkinson's detection. And the dogs get strips of turkey meat for as their reward. And of course, lots of love. Um, they're detecting MRSA, which are, you know, these um, antibiotic resistant things and UTIs, right. uh, C. diff, Clostridium, you know, it's Clostridium difficile. I don't know how to pronounce that actually. Um, and in hospitals. So UTIs, we don't really need dogs. Most people don't need a dog for that because it's really easy to detect with a urine test. But for those... Early detection um, would be nice so you don't have to let it get yeah. that far. 
Well, right, right. And, and so, but I don't know exactly what, you know, what that would be for the general population, but for those with limited mobility because of neurological conditions like oh. um, paralysis, um, that's super important. Oh. They may have their dog there for, um, for, for themselves anyway as a mobility helper. Um, and then on top of that, the dog can be trained to detect early ETIs because a lot of times, you know, they, they, they have problems with this issue and that could be really helpful. So there are all wow. these things that that are being worked on in in laboratories and again laboratories being fun places for dogs to go yes um, on for their day jobs and sniff these things out and get rewards and it's amazing what the dogs will do and in laboratories you know maybe they don't know they're really helping people but certainly at home with all these with the the dogs who are doing this as um as pet dogs or as service dogs they they clearly know that they're helping and you and you want to talk about cats too yes yes Dr. yes cats. and i was just going to say it's so much easier on our bodies too to have the dog detect it first before going in for all these tests that you may not need or that you know it's or jump to a test rather than having to do preliminary tests. It's like the dog is so much easier on our bodies. And yes, my cat climbed in my lap and it's like, hello, you better get to Dr. Cats before (laughs) this interview is over. So tell me about detecting cats. You know, they turn out to be pretty good detectors if they decide to be, you know, they're cats. So it's on their own terms um, with some notable exceptions with highly trained cats. Um, But there are no trained doctor cats yet. Um, but it's been shown that cats have certain olfactory anatomy that rivals dogs in some ways. Um, dogs probably are better in the long run, but um, cats are good. And um, they've been documented to warn people of low blood sugars. <laughs> I don't know if you read about in in the book, there was a case where the cat tried to warn the man, but um, he went unconscious before his, and so the cat went and got girlfriend um and she was able to get him he was in he had slipped into this unconscious state she was able to get him help and the cat was an early warning signal to this man several times the dog, cats have also um been noted to warn their people of cancer this one cat was tapping and nosing into this woman's breast you know annoyingly so and I think it was the husband who said, maybe you should get that checked out. And it, and she had breast cancer. No, the same goes with dogs. Sometimes this could be coincidence. And, the, you know, the cat was always nuzzling the breast or something. But usually it seems like there is something there. And, yeah, it's more uh, insistent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and cats, so I'm probably not, my next book is probably not going to be called Clinician Cats. Just, <laughs> you know, cats are more independent. <laughs> and um, no one has really trained a dog that I know of, uh, a cat, I should say, on, on the things that they're training dogs for. But I, I just love that there are these self-trained doctor cats out there. And I had to mention exactly. them occasionally in the book. And I appreciate yeah, that. And then there are other animals <laughs> getting into the Detection Act. Birds, fish, yes. rats, mice, worms, fruit flies. It's amazing. And um, I'm so bummed that, again, we're out of time. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. I, did. I, just saw, I saw I saw detection, cancer detection worms in China, in Japan when I was there. It was it was incredible. So um, we're harnessing these, these uh, they're, and they're not, you know, they're not going to be, we're not going to all have cancer detection worms in our no. houses. But they it may lead to some interesting technology as well. Right. So what is one last thing you would like to impress upon everyone? Oh, um, oh, just 
just love your dog and pet your dog and realize how amazing they are and, and how much smarter and more amazing than we could ever think they are that they are I, when I was first doing my research on on um, war dogs I, I realized that you know wow what they can do is so much more and I've I've like respected my dog even more since then and you know and listen to your dog listen to your dog because he may try to tell you something he or she may try to tell you something one day and every day probably but something important one day absolutely they are connected to us and we are connected to them find out more about maria godavich and her brand new book just released dr dogs how our best friends are becoming our best medicine find out more at mariagodavich.com that's m-a-r-i-a maria godavich g-o-o-d-a-v-a-g-e.com and thank you for hanging out with me on mind body pause holistic living for you and your animals i'm charlie kale check out my reiki business energy healing for people and pause in person or distant healing sessions people and animals at charliekale.com and find past shows on the website as well as well as on my page at empower radio thank you brent carey the founder and ceo of empower radio thank you remy smith in the studio in detroit both of you for your love and support take care and remember that no matter what's going on with your animals don't beat yourself up thinking you could have done better because you're doing the best you can they know it and they chose you anyway and they love you for it mind body pause is a guilt-free zone see you next time Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.